This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, Season 2. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. In the midst of the pandemic, with international travel restricted, an increasing number of Kiwis are choosing to get involved in tramping or hunting here at home. Ricky Hanna-Smallman has been documenting his adventures on Facebook. We got together to talk about what tramping and hunting means to him. My name's uh, Ricky Anna Smallman. Uh, moved here to Hamilton, um, gee, would have been about 16 or 17 years ago from Auckland. Um, I met my wife up there. I, I grew up in Auckland for a, a part of my childhood from the age of 5 to 16 and then moved to the South Island. And in time I found myself back there again uh, and we decided that uh, we, we didn't like Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> my wife got a job on, uh, job opportunity down here to teach. And so I guess 16 years ago we were pre uh, that kind of Auckland flight that's been happening more recently. There's been quite a few other people coming down here as well. But um, yes, I guess 16 years is one of the early ones. Possibly not. I'm not too sure. But um, but we've made our home here. It's it's close to uh, to home home, which is Tūrangi, Lake Taupo, uh, a little bit further away from uh, where my wife's from in the Bay of Islands. Um, but yeah, we've uh, raised uh, two children here. My daughter's 21. She's down in Tūrangi at the moment working with the tribe. Uh, my son is 14. Actually, he's down in Tūrangi at the moment on school holidays. And um, I'll be heading down uh, to pick them up this evening and uh, and uh, you know spend another day climbing a hill or walking a river or going fishing or something, which is one of the things I really love to do. Yeah, I have been into it for a while and I'm, I'm documenting it this year um, probably more because I haven't been able to. Uh, in the past five years I've, I've had a back injury um, and that's led to loss of uh, function in my left leg um, and so for the past five years I've really been rehabbing it not being able to, to go hunting which is probably my my number one um, pursuit uh, that I do when I was younger um, but you know years of playing basketball and swinging on hoops and hitting rucks and malls and rugby uh, lifting silly weights at the gym you know throwing throwing weights on the on your shoulders at the gym and doing squats and that sort of stuff and also carrying deer and and things out of the bush it, it takes its toll over time but I've I've loved doing it and I've loved climbing mountains for such a long time that over that five year period I really set myself a goal of just getting back out there and, and doing it again uh, without the pain and uh, and to be able to carry a pack, which makes you a bit nervous um, because it's the you know it's the, the the impact of of time and activities that has partly led to uh, led to my injury in my spine. So um, so I have to be really careful about that and uh, uh, manage the niggles and things and kind of really work on 
work in my fitness. And this year, uh, uh, I, I don't know, a, a mate of mine was he he was seeing some posts on a, on a WhatsApp group um, that I was doing before I started doing the Facebook ones. And um, I had a cup of coffee with him one morning, and he said, "Oh, something's gotten into you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and basically that's it. So uh, I I found a little bit of confidence to actually start doing it and feeling good about it. And I thought, okay, yeah, it's time. I've I've done five years of of getting to this point, and and I set a goal a long time ago to 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 do the Tongariro Crossing again, and um, and to go down and do the the Kepler Track again, which I did when I was. I was much younger and to start ticking off some of those other great walks that I wanted to do like the Milford track and the root burn and um and when I when I lived in the South Island I was I grew up for part of my uh, part of my life in central Otago uh Cromwell and um and got to do some of those tracks the Hump Ridge uh right down the bottom of the South Island Southern Fjords um overlooking Fobo Strait and Lake Karoko on the other side and yeah, I just wanted to get back out and do it again. Yeah, so that that was kind of the the, the, the that was the the long term goal to get back out and see our country again. And um, yeah, the the lockdown gave me an opportunity to to kind of really focus on the the walking side of it because there was no gym to go to. Um, and I actually found that walking uh, with a little bit of weight on my back was probably more beneficial to me than than going to the gym and. And um and lifting weights and and you know, doing what doing a really good program not heavy weight at all, just working on flexibility and stuff and I'm sure that helped, um but I, I guess I just got to the point where I said yeah I'm I'm ready to go so the pandemic and the lockdowns have played a significant part in this then at your sort of reprisal of being out tramping yeah I mean I I was I was fortunate that I could work through the the last lockdown. I had a, a couple of properties on on the market, and I had to go and service them during during that lockdown and um, service buyers and and look after vendor expectations as well. But I also train every morning. I I go to the gym and I and I don't I don't worry about strength training or anything like that. It's um it's all about mobility for me at my age, forty seven. Uh, it's about especially around my hips, hip flexors, glutes, uh, and to strength uh, my lower back to strengthen up my core and the lower back so it's about mobility um, flexibility and and not strength as in terms of lifting a lot of weight strength just in, in terms of being able to to comfortably do what I want to do um, and so the level three lockdown meant that my gym was closed and I wake up at four o'clock every morning four, mm. four o'clock four thirty and if there's nothing to do usually I go to the gym around five thirty uh, and I just thought, ah, uh, okay, I'm, I've got to go do something. And I found myself at the lake, walking around the lake, saying, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm going to do this every morning. So, And there were a lot of people doing it. That was a great thing about it, actually. There were a ton of people at the lake walking around every morning. And you ended up having this little lake crew of the same faces you'd see day after day after day. And then once we went into the level two and subsequently the, the um, orange, um, those faces disappeared and I guess went back to their gyms and and uh, and work and that sort of thing. So um, so it wasn't just me. People took advantage of a really good resource that we've got here in the city of a, what is it, a, a nearly four kilometre walk around the lake. Yeah, I, I, I found the benefits of, of walking again. I mean, I've, I've always loved it. I mean, walking when I was a kid uh, was out of necessity. 
you know, to, to get somewhere. And um, I remember my father, this generation before me, um, it was a real necessity for them because they had to to walk for often for, you know, maybe even a full day, two days uh, to get from one farm in Turangi where they were working to go over to the next farm where, you know, Uncle Rangi or Uncle somebody needed their help. Um, my uncle, who's um, uh, still alive down in Taupo, he he told me one time, I was sitting with him having a cup of tea, and he told me that he walked for five days one time from Taihape back to Tūrangi. And he was he was a teenager at the time. He had been sent down to live with his uncle, um, trapping possums, I believe, was the was the job he was sent down there to do. He lived with his uncle and um, just outside of Taihape, uh, Morfungal, would have been around Morfungal on the, the road to Napier. Um, and they were trapping possums and he lived down there for a couple of years and he just decided one day, oh, okay, it's time to go home. I think he said he was about 15 years old. Wow. And at the age of 15, he said goodbye to his uncle, put on his his pico, his, you know, his little sack over his his back and walked for five days back to Turangi through the bush just found his way back so my family history is one of of spending a lot of time walking around central North Island bush it was a necessity for them um, dad used to take us out when we were kids and my sister only told me this about three or four years ago um, that uh, dad would go hunting pig hunting take his dogs but he'd take us with him and he'd walk us into the bush, find a clearing, and my sister said I was still in nappies at the time, and it happened right up until the age of um, five or six, and he'd just drop us off in a clearing, and then he'd be gone for a couple of hours chasing a pig, and then he'd come back, and my sister, who was nine years older than me, she'd look after us, me and my other two brothers, and we'd play in the clearing, we'd you know, chase birds and poke spiders and all that sort of thing, fall asleep under a under a fern or something like that and um yeah so i was oh okay okay no, I, I get it i mm. <laughs> i get where it comes from i mean it's it's hard for a for a kid that age to kind of recall that stuff i guess your brains are so little and they they, they don't get the details but the seed was planted and that was just the natural thing for for my father's generation and it became a, a i guess it's become an integral part of who i am so fast forward to now um, it's yeah. I've just you know, there's a lot of old books and things that talk about the call of the wild. Yeah, it's it's been calling uh, for a long time. At the end of the the end of the pandemic. Oh, sorry, not the end, end of the pandemic. At the end of that yeah, that lockdown had the freedom to move again. Um, yeah, my family jumped in the car and shot down to Tūrangi to see Mum, who hadn't seen for a, a few months. She's still still down in Tūrangi. I'd bought a pair of boots and I had a pack that had been sitting in the in the garage for, for a couple of years and uh, I hadn't used it since I'd walked uh, into the Kaimana was probably gee four years ago and I've, I mean I've got all the I've got all the gear right got all the hunting gear got all the, all the stuff and I thought okay alright I'm going to go to the Tongariro Crossing kind of you know there's, I'm, I'm going from walking four kilometres around the lake flat to 19 and a half kilometres of um of volcano um yeah <laughs> and that was probably on the first post that I put up <laughs> and um I, I, we started at the Mangatapopo end 
and it, I mean it was just good to be home again because I, I fish on the lake at the base of um, Tongariro and I've, I've done the crossing before and it's it's home um, but I was I was walking along the track from the Mangatapopo end towards the Mangatapopo hut and I got two hours into it and I was thinking oh okay oh no sorry an hour into it and I said oh, yeah, that's about as far as I've walked <laughs> on any one day around the lake and it's kind of flattish it's yeah and then you finish that first hour and then it's the old goat track it's a nice set of stairs now but it's still steep and it's um, it's a bit of a slog and when you're not that fit and you're nervous uh, about the injuries and, and yeah I considered turning around but I'm a bit stubborn and I really wanted to do it um, so yeah kept on going got it to the south crater and it's nice and flat through there and then there's the, the next rise uh, and um, so climbed up there had some lunch just took my time I wasn't in a race with anyone it was just to it was just to be back on the manga again um, and to, to 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 remember what it felt like to to be in an alpine environment um, yeah it felt real good I was nervous the whole way I didn't want my cut of one of the cousins down home he's he's well known for um for everything to do with Tongariro and uh, he often goes and rescues people who need rescuing I didn't want to be one of those guys because <laughs> uh, he would have given it to me <laughs> he would have given me all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff so um, yeah I'm, I'm glad I made it down um, man I was aching though mm, I was yeah. sore at the end of it I suppose with a spinal injury you would be worrying about the slightest wrong impact eh? and it would just shoot up through especially, your back and that especially would be coming down the hill yeah, mm. yeah. Um, you, you're making me sound irresponsible, <laughs> but, um, but um, yeah, I just I, that's why I took my time. Every step was a really deliberate one, um, and that's that's not just because of that. It's a, that's a hunting thing as well. Um, you know, you you have to when you hunt, you you place your foot in a certain way so that you're not making any noise. You're really deliberate. You're hunting deer. You're really deliberate. You're really slow. You don't want to make too much noise, and so the idea of of taking deliberate steps has already been ingrained in me for a long time. So um, it's funny because I've talked to some other guys who just they, they talk about how their calves cramp up when they walk up the Hakari Mata to Summit. I said, well, that's because you're you're walking on your toes, which is another thing. I actually I talked to a guy about it this morning. He was um he was saying, oh, you he sorry he um I met a guy coming back down the hill uh, this morning and he was telling me that uh, three years ago he went to Nepal and walked a hill there was a 24-hour oh sorry 24-day um, hike around this mountain yeah I know they make mountains big over there <laughs> um, and and he said oh I only learned over there that you actually put your foot flat and I said yeah that's a old hunting trick I learned from one of my old teachers, school teacher down uh, Cromwell, because I used to walk on my toes too, and your cr- your calves cramp up real quick if you're on your toes all the time. And um, yeah, so that deliberate way of walking was 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 the thing that got me down the hill. At the end of it, I wished I had trekking poles on that day. <laughs> I wasn't fit enough anyway. I probably shouldn't have done it, but I just yeah. Mm. So when you are walking up a hill, it would be uh, you you normally place your toes 
as a sort of a, a springboard as you're going up mm. each step, for example. But but that's what that's what people would mm. normally instinctively do. Yeah, because um, you you walk with your yeah you, you kind of roll your foot and you yeah heel toe heel toe. Mm, so you yeah. walk in that normal way, even mm. though going up the hills. But you yourself. Yeah, you plant your foot flat, mm. and that would change the whole way that your muscles and your legs would. Yeah, take yeah, it. It, it moves the emphasis for for me. I, I don't know the biomechanics of this, but it moves the emphasis from my thighs to my glutes, and and lower back. So, imagine you're you're at a gym at a at a step up box, um, and you're standing at the top and you're lowering yourself down. Um, that's different to standing at the bottom and pushing off with your calf to get to the top, right? So every time I take a step, I, I really think about it um, and, and I engage my, my glutes and my back and my hamstrings first and the back of my um, back of my thighs rather than kind of leaning forward and pushing with the front of my thighs. And because my foot's flat, I, I actually don't push, I try not to push off with my toes, I lift my knee. Up right. to the, and, yeah. and it's really important on, on the hakarimata steps because it's all steps different again when you're going into an environment like Tongariro or Kaimana where there's, you know, you're climbing tree roots and things like that and it's or you don't have the steps there but yeah the, the steps thing for me that, that's how I get around not cramping up my calves is by putting my foot flat and, and lifting my knee up to the next step rather than pushing off from the one on the ground and I see a lot of people, they kind of lean forward and they push off their knees with their hands to help them out. Um, yeah, I, I make a point of, of not doing that sort of thing because I'd rather be standing upright and having emphasis on my lower back because that's, that's been the problem place for me. Um, and if I'm carrying a pack, and I carry a pack every morning, just because, I mean, there's a, the reason I carry a pack every morning is because if I'm going on the longer walks and I need to be used to carrying a pack, and um, sometimes I'll throw 40 kgs in it, uh, but most of the time it's about 10, 10, 15, and um, and that's a, a nice easy walk with a with 10 kgs on your back. 40 kgs it gets you know, starts to get a little tougher, but that that also shifts the emphasis of where the pressure is um, for for me on my lower back. And um, but damn good workout, um, and but more importantly. Uh, and like today, it was. It's it's getting more and more like it's not about the workout, um, and that's always been my goal. So I'm not going up a hill to to get fit for something else. I just like being up there. I go up and I poke leaves and and uh, have a look at um, fruiting kiki or bloody uh, jack kareao. Uh, new growth. I found one the other day and almost had a <laughs> bit of a taste of it, mm-hmm. um, but thought I'd leave it. There, there's a whole lot of other things to do up there rather than focus on steps, mm. and um, and so I just enjoy my time there. So you go up the Hakari Matas quite often, don't you? Yeah, three times a week at the moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to do Tuesday Thursdays. I the other days I go to the gym and focus on um, flexibility and mobility and core strength and that sort of stuff because I've got to keep up on top on top of my my back injury um, but yeah I'll, I'll try and do Tuesday Thursdays up the hill for a quick walk uh, before work and on the weekends uh, depending on whether I'm working on a weekend or not 
um, I'll either do a slightly longer walk, maybe three hours, either up the up the Hux again and down to Wangaro, which is about a three hour walk, or I'll go find another track somewhere. Um, if I've got a day off, like um, tomorrow I'm heading down to pick up my family in Tūrangi, I'm going to look at going into the Kaimanawas again, up the Waipakehi River. That might be more for a hunt, <laughs> which is a different kettle of fish again. But it's you know it's it's getting out there and it's it's doing something and uh, getting out into an environment that um that not I mean you can say not many people see it, but over the over the New Year's period when I was up on uh, Mount Urchin, one of the tracks in the Komonoa Forest Park, um, stack of people about mm. fifteen cars there before I got there, so they'd stayed overnight because um, I was there at about five a.m. And I was sitting at the top having a having a cup of tea with uh, with a bloke from Orfango just outside of Tamarunui, and we probably had another ten groups of people come past us, just up on the track. So and that was a New Year's Day. A stack of people out there enjoying um, the hills and stuff, and yeah, it's it's great. I mean, from that particular um, particular place up on the track, you've got you can see across Tūruapehu uh, Tongariro to the south and even further south looking down towards Taihape um, as far as Tauhara uh, mountain uh, right by Taupo across to the west, the Puriora's Puriora range on the uh, western side of uh, Taupo and then we were on the eastern side so mm. yeah stunning piece of the country mm. and um, man I'm, I'm glad a lot of people got up there to to, to experience it because yeah it's amazing. Absolutely. And of course, over the last um, few hundred years, um, a lot of people will have experienced and appreciated it, you know, but it's sort of a, a pursuit which is coming back, isn't it, as people are wanting to reconnect with the motu as well as maintaining their fitness. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting that you say that because I was thinking about, I mentioned this uh, school teacher of mine in Cromwell, and, um, and I was thinking about him, and uh, he was... His name is Grant McFarlane, um, and I, I owe a debt of gratitude to to Grant and his family down in, in Cromwell. Jean, his sister, who I um, who I lived with for a little while. Jean's son was my best friend, uh, Andrew. He lives over in Perth now. But but Grant taught me a lot about um, about you know just hunting and getting out in the bush and stuff. He was a uh, he was a colour back in the nineteen seventies, I think where contractors would go out and, and cull deer and get paid by the tail. He, he was saying that's how he'd, he'd do that. I think he was at university for a term and then he'd go to culling and make some money. I don't know if he did it full-time for a while, but, yeah, that was one of the things that he did. But I was, I was also kind of remembering when I was a kid about how Ed Hillary was... Well, he, he, was he was a hero. When I was a kid growing up in Auckland... Um, Sir Edmund Hillary was was just legendary, right? And and I think there'll be a lot of people around who say, "Well, yeah, <laughs> the dude, the dude climbed up uh, Mount Everest." Um, but that was that was something that was really was really pushed into us, not on, in a bad way. He was just he'd done something extraordinary. He was a great guy, and so he got a lot of promotion out of it. And as a kid, we kind of grew up in that era and living in in Auckland at the time. Um, he came into our school, and I became inspired by him, and by that story, and and uh, of him uh, scaling Everest. Um, a few years later, 
I'd moved down to central Otago to Cromwell and my best mate Andrew uh, his mum Jean and um, and Grant who was my maths and physics teacher well their father was on Everest with um, Sir Edmund Hillary wow and I got <laughs> to meet him he yeah and he was uh, he was he was pretty He's pretty old at well, I was a teenager. So <laughs> he he could have been 30 to have been old but um but uh, uh, I get the feeling like right now that he was probably in his 60s. Um I I believe he was carried off um Everest because he had an injury and ended up with frostbitten fingers and toes. Um but uh we we'd stopped and we'd gone hunting with Grant and Andrew and another friend hunting down the Hunt Ridge um, and then we stopped in to a farm in Southland where where Grant's brother lived and I can't remember the brother's name it might be Simon or something and their dad was there and I'd heard about Mr McFarlane I heard about Mr McFarlane with James or something um, I'd heard about Mr McFarlane and how he'd gone to Everest and lost his fingers and toes to frostbite and there he was in front of me after all of these stories of growing up of hearing about Edmund Hillary and and the excursion that they'd been on so I had all of this like these these real deal explorers sitting right there and I'm mm. oh, hi you know, nervous as heck that goes back to your question about people are doing it more now wanting to go out and see the motu and maybe maybe there wasn't a uh, see, I, I, I don't know if there was a um, kind of a hole, uh, like a gap in there anywhere. When you're out in the wilderness, you often do it alone, or you you, you do it for um, reasons other than promotion. When you climb a mountain, you're you're, you're humbled. Hey, you yeah. go and, you go walk to the top of a Tongariro. Uh, you walk to the top of Umukadikadi Range, something like that, and you you see how magnificent nature is and you kind of you humble yourself yeah okay yeah and so if you if you if you're looking for promotion which is a funny thing because i'm bloody posting on social media Mm -hmm. right um if you're looking for promotion out of it then you're probably not there for the right reasons Um, I i think i think your posts on social media have been valuable for people who are um you know, sharing that that want to go out and experience the country. And yeah, I've seen more people do it. More people yeah. in my own circle of, of mm. friends do it. And the only like I I, I posted the Tongariro one right at the start of the track. Was just one photo, and that was going to be me for the rest of it. Um, and then I went up the the Hux the week after, and my wife said, "Where's the post?" <laughs> I said, "Well, well, I'm just." <laughs> going for a walk just you know, no I want to know where you are <laughs> like, oh. so that's the reason I'm posting right so that my wife knows <laughs> where I am and I mean in, in terms of that so, so you're doing some of those posts from from the field like yeah. when you're actually there yeah yeah yeah. And so so my wife because I, I wake up at 4, 4 bloody 30 in the morning whatever it is um, and I jump in the car and I'm gone and my wife doesn't wake up at 4.30 with me Mm, she stays in bed mm. she, and then she wakes up I don't know what's a good time to wake up what time do people wake up normal people 6.37 6.30 she'll wake up 6.37 and I'm already at the top of the hill and she'll pick up her phone and oh yeah he's, <laughs> he's not over here so yeah so she knows it's it gives her a bit of confidence I suppose 
I guess it's the same thing as leaving your intentions with uh, with somebody when you when you go into the bush. I'm going to walk this trail. I'm going hunting for two or three days over here. I'll be back on such and such a day. You know, call the rescue chopper if I don't show up. But now you can do live streams from a can, gorge yeah, when I you're. Yeah, I guess I can live it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how I'll pitch it. <laughs> really, it's yeah, it's just because my wife told me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. Uh, I think it's. Yeah, you know, some of the reactions I've been getting um, has been cool. Um, I guess some people are inspired, and they, yeah, some people were. Yeah, they're hitting me up and saying, "Oh, yeah, so, so where's this going? You know, it's." what are you leading to mm. and um and uh yeah i mean there's a bigger goal i don't I've, I've mentioned it already right i want to do the great walks and so one of my goals is to do all of the great walks over the next however many years um depending on bookings and things like that right so tongariro northern circuit um there's waikare moana which is closed at the moment because i've been researching um, the Whanganui River, um, that'll be fun because it's mostly on the water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm not much of a rafter, more of a kind of a mountain man. But I've uh, I've been on the Tongariro Grade Three a few times now over the past few years. Um, once for a job that I did when I was a journalist at Waikato Times, um, checking in on the the blue duck trapping, which is amazing, by the way. The, the project that they've done down there to, to see the amount of blue ducks um, on the river now compared to when I went home when I was about 20 and I was up the Waipakehe River and that was the only place you'd see fuel was mm. right up in the in, in the Waipakehe and then Waipakehe filters down into um, or flows down into Tongariro but now you've got fuel all the way down in Turangi and I can be fishing under the State Highway 1 bridge and Tūrangi and there's a there's a whole family of bloody fuel goes swimming under your line and to to see the the difference between then when I was going up into the hills and you know see one or two bloody predated by stoats and rats and possums and that sort of stuff to to seeing oh, how many did we see on the on the water I think it was the mm, day before New Year's we went for another another trip with the Tongariro River Raft guys and Garth who's um, who's uh, quite involved in that trapping program um, yeah we mate, I think we probably saw about 10 groups 10 families of um, of blue ducks wow yeah, yeah. And that's just in the kind of that that section of the river um, so pretty cool it's a good project um, me and um, who was it? I think it was Mark photographer from Waikato Times we um we went into the uh, Kaipo River uh, in the Kaimanawas from the, the northern end of the Kaimanawa and uh, and helped out with a um, with a project there too to put the the good nature gas powered traps up there to, to do the same thing for the fuel that's right up the headwaters of the Mohaka and mm-hmm. up that end so a lot of good work going around awesome to be a part of that and a reminder that I don't have to carry my rifle <laughs> into the bush to have a good time because every other time it's like, you know, got to go hunting, got to go, got a hunting brain, hunting brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But bringing it back to what you were saying before as well about you want the walks uh, to become about the experience and about the things you see 
an experience and you know actually appreciate your surroundings rather than about the challenge of doing the walk yeah and yeah. and and i've seen from um some of your videos that you know you're very very knowledgeable of like the animal species that you've seen and everything and you've been watching all of this stuff you might be four hours into a gorge um but you will have been noting all of the animals you've been seeing and uh yeah the different areas you've walked through and that's that's really cool and humbling i think for for anybody to see you being able to have that experience yeah it's it's a i i guess it's just what it is because of i've i've kind of i've well, i guess go back to when we were kids right we were, we were playing with the tiny details um when my sister was telling me you know we'd we'd just kind of crawl around under the bush and stuff and move things move grass out the way and have a look to see what it's just what kids do right they just go and it's it's amazing what a kid in nappies will find and put into their mouth right every parent <laughs> knows this <laughs> so so i guess that's kind of where it came from we were when you're comfortable in a place and and when your fitness is at a at a at a level um where you're not focused on on gee look how steep that is um you start to notice the the details and it's the details that really make up the big picture eh um i don't i don't climb up to the hucks to have a look at the view um i climb the hucks because it's accessible (laughs) it's close to home it takes 20 minutes to get there it's up and down it's a good walk um but yeah i i noticed two days ago i walked into a, a karel vine a supplejack vine um and it wasn't there the day before so i stopped and once the sun had come up uh, i stopped and had a look at it and noticed that growth overnight it was huge it was a big chunk of growth um and yeah i didn't walk into it to the oh two days before i didn't walk into it but in from the sunday to the tuesday there was this new vine hanging across the uh, across the track um and so i could have just whacked it out of the way i suppose and just kind of kept on going with the walk but actually that was probably a little more fascinating to me than the walk itself um when the sun comes up you know plants the the leaves raise up and the flowers open up and that's there's there's something tremendous about that i think um actually that tuesday morning walk was was incredible for all sorts of reasons with the the sun was sitting on the oh sorry the moon when i was driving out there was actually sitting on top of the summit um and it disappeared as i got closer right because it fell behind the mountain but as i was driving there i was like whoa full moon sitting on top of the hux summit cool okay and and so you start to notice that sort of thing when you're when you're not heaving (laughs) (laughs) when you're not gassed out when you can actually start enjoying the walk uh, the glowworms this morning um i've been up there a few times in the past couple of months in the dark and it's the first time i noticed as many glowworms um i knew they were there because we used to dig for glowworms when we were kids well not there but you know i know glowworms are around um but they, they actually really stood out this time um the the tafara the the fruit of the kiaki when they're growing uh the the pickle pickle when they're in season and they're no longer in season but they were there back in november 
it's probably the last ones because it's it's a warmer environment up here than down home and and November's getting pretty late in the season for pickle pickle but I, I saw a couple saw some there um yeah there's there's a whole lot to notice rather than just climbing up to the to the viewing platform and having a look across the the basin um yeah and I I, I it, it's making my walk a little bit longer in the mornings to be honest um but it's it's way more enjoyable mm. Mm. fantastic all right well we're we've we've recorded enough stuff there but is there anything that you'd particularly like to add that's on the tip of your tongue and all that you're thinking about <sighs> what's on the tip of my tongue what's on the tip of my tongue um yeah I, so i i just thought because i love it and and i've missed it um uh it's it's always been there um but there's a i've i've had i've had some people kind of make comments about oh god all the exercise and that sort of stuff um but walking is one of those crazy things right um if you can stand up on two legs my father couldn't for a while because he he was tetraplegic he was he was injured in, in a wheelchair um, for 21 years until his passing a couple of years ago um, in the in the first 15 years of dad's injury well let's backtrack he was told when he was first injured that was him he'd probably have to get around in a wheelchair using a, a, a mouth thingy to, to drive his wheelchair around um, and he defied a whole lot of odds to to use his arms to feed himself, uh, he he was in a in a in a tunneling accident that um, dislocated uh, a couple of vertebrae between his shoulder blades C three C four I think they were and it was a devastating injury to go from a a, a guy who was played king country rugby and worked for his manually all of his life. Um, hunted and fished and grew gardens and was still working underground on the shovels well, um, and and in the tunnelling crews because he worked underground for a long time and so he was always really physical and his body was kind of his tool, his main, main tool um, so to go from, from that to uh, tetraplegic was a devastating injury for him right? um, but it didn't stop him he had this he had this probably a lust really to get back up on his feet and walk again um, it's what we're born to do right unless injury removes it from us or if there's something else uh, congenital that prevents us from walking um, we're born to get up on our feet you see it in children all the time. It's, they spend the first year of their lives just trying to get up onto their feet, and once mm. they are, they just go nuts. Um, and so, Dad spent uh, probably fifteen years just trying to walk again, and he got up on a frame. Wow! He got up on a frame, and in the gym in Tudangi, he was up and down, up and down. Did I think? I think the longest he walked was probably about two hundred meters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that would that would have taken a while. Oh, it for took him years to, do to that. get there. Yeah, it took yeah. Years. But then on the individual to, occasions to do two hundred meters. Yeah. 
that that is a real endurance test to, to just stand him up mm. at the beginning was just just incredible he just focused for years and years and years to to strengthen what he needed to core glutes um, legs you know every, every muscle is important um, to be able to write his name so he could you know, sign contracts and that sort of stuff just to do that sort of thing again to feed himself just as the stuff we take for granted um, and to to watch him go through that kind of made me think oh shit okay this yeah yeah it's um yeah it was uh, it was extraordinary to and and then then a couple of years a few years ago I had my injury which kind of prevented me from walking as I'd normally would um I think I said when I was coming down the Tongariro that time in the video <coughs> I had difficulty walking from the car park to the down Anglesey Street to the right. to the Times office um, and a mate of mine owned the pub up the road Spats Our House and he said I could park my car there because we didn't have car park closing and I probably stopped 15 odd times just to take a break you know walk 20 metres and stop to take the pressure off my back and that sort of thing and um, I was tripping over because I couldn't lift my foot uh, went to see a back specialist and he saw the injury he saw the uh, MRI and and, um, and knew exactly what the problems were because it, it happens with a lot of people I'm not the only one so it's not a sob story um, but yeah just not being able to lift my toe um, tripping over myself all the time um, falling on the ground uh, you know leg just giving away for for what you'd think would be no reason at all but actually just falling over and and uh and not being able to to do what you want to do like you could five years before um old degenerating but so you 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 started on that journey of recovery yeah. with the inspiration of what your dad had well, uh, done. yeah yeah incredibly inspired incredibly inspired yeah and um yeah he's he his rehab went backwards when he was um treated by uh uh oh no i won't include that mm-hmm. don't talk about that yeah, yeah yeah um yeah the i was incredibly inspired by him um but i guess the point i wanted to make was was you know i there's so much to learn out of just walking it's the simplest thing that we do get up and walk some people say it call it exercise what I'm doing in in one of my posts I was like no it's just the thing to do when you it's just the thing you do when you stand up in the morning you walk right you get out of bed what's the first thing you do you walk I've just taken it to the nth degree (laughs) yeah but there's you know there's a stack of I mean hills and all that sort of stuff there's heaps of lessons in that for, for a moment there if I'm tired if I say man I'm gassed out I'll turn around even now I'll turn around I'll look down to where I've just come from and say oh, if I can do that then I can do the next 20 metres mm-hmm. right? if I've just bloody walked for an hour to get to here then surely I can do another 5 minutes you know so 
every step in the journey is kind of a, a little bit of inspiration for the next one um, and I've been doing that for, for years as a as a older overweight hunter walking up hills you, know, you might be carrying bloody you, know, you might be carrying a stag out of the bush or something or a spiker or something and they're heavy mm-hmm. <laughs> they're bloody heavy and when you're walking up a hill with them you notice the difference um, but it doesn't take much to just stop for a minute take a breath look down say well I've done that much and might as well just keep going yeah mm. and, and I, I take those I take those lessons into into everything that I do into my work into my business um, yeah I all the problems of the world are solved mm. <laughs> with a good long walk yeah, awesome. you, you can find you can find answers in, in every step. Mm. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rikihana. No worries. Thank you cool. for listening to this episode of WTS Waikatoa. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.